Hello, beautiful. Thank you for tuning in to the Colorism Healing Podcast, where our goal is to learn, transform, and resist. What you're about to listen to is the audio version of my weekly live streams on Instagram and Facebook, which you are welcome to join every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central Time. But for now, I hope you enjoy this episode. We're live on all three platforms now, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Welcome to the weekly Colorism Healing live stream with yours truly, Dr. Sarah L. Webb. Today's topic is, what is healing? I want to look at three pillars of healing from colorism, why I think it's necessary to use all three in tandem, in concert with each other. And I'm curious to know, what healing means to you. When you think about healing from colorism specifically, how do you define that term? So before we jump into that topic of healing on all fronts, as I like to say, all fronts, um, let me know who you are. You know where you're tuning in from. You know, I always like to do introductions in the beginning. So say hello, even if you are a regular, still give me a wave. Let me know how you're doing today. It's sunny here in Springfield, Illinois. Excited and happy about that. Some announcements as people are coming on. The Colorism Healing Writing Contest is in full swing now through April 30th. You can submit poetry, prose, essays, short stories, that sort of thing. And we also have a Patreon membership group where you can join for as low as $3 a month and contribute to the contest in that way. Another big announcement I know I posted it, but I'm giving a TED Talk in March Woo-hoo! on colorism, of course, <laughs> and it will be live streamed. Um, so it's March 20th. It'll be live streamed on March 20th, and then it'll be made available on YouTube a little bit later. So look out for a link or information about how you can watch live if you want to. But then I'll also share the YouTube link when that's available. Another announcement, I don't know if this is a big announcement. It's big to me. It's a huge announcement for me. So the university system that I'm a part of is bringing Nikki Giamatti to speak tonight. And I have the honor of doing her introduction, which is huge for me. Like Nikki Giamatti is a pillar, a staple for me in terms of influential people that I have gotten to know or become aware of throughout my life. Um... T. Trisha, yes, I will absolutely post the link for people to share. Um, That hasn't been given to me yet. (laughs) So as soon as I have a link, I will make sure to blast it out on all platforms, social media, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and I think that's everywhere I am. Hey, Jackie, how are you? Um, Yeah, so... (laughs) Thank you. Right? That is a huge honor to be able to give the intro to Nikki Giamatti. So I'm going to kind of be fangirling a little bit, you know. I was like, yes, I'm doing an intro, but also this is a tribute to you. I want you to know how much you've met to me and to so many of us over the years. Um, So welcome, everyone. If you're just joining the topic as I post on my weekly Sunday post is the three layers or three pillars of healing from colorism and why I think it's important to tackle all three at the same time. So in my post, I noted how, for me, 
um, people often try to say, well, we need to focus on this or we need to focus on voting or we need to, you know, focus on education in terms of just like social justice in general. And my response was always, we need to do all those things and we should be doing them all at the same time. One reason I say that is because every person has to bring their unique gifts, their unique talents, their unique skills to the solution, right? And so, so yes, if we focus on education, there are lots of people who will be able to take up that cause and be great teachers, be great administrators. But for other people, like they might be artists and they have to, you know, do put out creative work. Other people might be born for politics. They might be the ones that we that run for office, right? And then others, you know, might be working on policies in terms of healthcare. And so I think trying to say that one front or one aspect of social justice or, you know, healing from these issues is more important than the other, I think overlooks the fact that everyone has a place, everyone has a lane to be in, and they're all valuable and valid, okay? Also, if you're just joining, I'm curious to know how you define healing for yourself. What is healing to you? So for me, healing is an umbrella term that includes the individual mental health, right? So just you as an individual person, that healing, that personal healing, healing your heart, healing your personal traumas, healing your, um, your wounds around colorism is so important. I think individual healing also includes reconditioning your biases, right? So reprogramming those biases, those negative narratives that you've been conditioned to believe about dark skin or about natural hair or about, you know, a broad nose. And so that's the individual piece. And we're all responsible for that. We're all responsible for that, for sure, okay? Um, and, I, and let me say that we're all responsible for healing ourselves, but we're also all responsible for supporting each other in our healing, right? So if you have a friend or a sister or a relative or a neighbor who is trying to heal from colorism, right? I think we are our siblings keepers, right? And saying, you know, I see you in this struggle and so how can I assist you in your healing, right? And then it's reciprocated in healthy relationships, you know, you get some reciprocation there. Um, Bobby is tuning in from Jacksonville. Hey, Bobby. <laughs> I see a couple of people on TikTok. Make sure you say hello. Let me know where you're watching from. My Facebook and Instagram folks, I see y'all. Um, and then the other layer, the second layer, would be the healing the relationships amongst people, right? So yeah, we all have to deal with our own internal biases, our own personal traumas. But then... Colorism has damaged and fractured and bruised our relationships with each other as well. And that is family relationships, that is friendships, right? Professional relationships. And so I think that's a big part of the healing, right? So our own healing when we're alone in our bathrooms looking ourselves in the mirror. And then also when we're in conversation with family, Right. And having those difficult conversations with parents and siblings and cousins and aunts, our friends and starting to do that community, communal, communal, collective healing work as well. Right. Welcome, Truthful Optimist from Washington, D.C. Um, yeah, so you can definitely join a live, but I like to pre-plan them. So send me a DM and let me know a good day for you to join. Um, 
So I don't just do them on the fly, if that makes sense. Truthful Optimist says family is the worst. <laughs> yeah, so if you're, if you're unfortunate to grow up in a colorist family, that makes the wounding and the trauma much more visceral, much, much, much more damaging, right? To have it come from your own family, I think, is one of the most difficult experiences of colorism. It's hard enough to get it from society. It's hard enough to get have that um, experience in the broader world. But when it's coming from people who are supposed to nurture you and love you, that creates a deeper level of wounding and trauma, I believe. So those are the first two pillars, right? The individual piece that includes the healing that past pain or that current pain even, and also checking our own biases and you know re releasing ourselves from the negative narratives we've been conditioned to believe. And the second one is healing and repairing those relationships, relationships amongst groups of people and amongst um, communities of people. And then the third piece, of course, is we have to look at the broader social justice aspect, the systemic colorism, the structural colorism that includes things like disparities in healthcare, disparities in employment, disparities in inequalities in education based on skin tone and facial features and hair texture, right? Um, and all these things are interconnected. All of these things are interrelated. And so that's why we have to be addressing them all at the same time. Um, Francia M. So I'm giving, I'm giving, I give it my best shot in terms of your screen name. So my sincere apologies if I'm not saying it the way you would say it. Um, it says growing up with the white Latin side of my family was difficult. Yeah, especially if you are not the same color as your family, if you're darker than the family that actually raised you. Because even if we have extended family members who look more like us, um, we don't always have access to them, right? They're not in our everyday environment necessarily, depending on how your family structure is set up. Um, so yeah, if you were actually reared in the household of family that's lighter than you, um, unless they're conscientious about colorism, unless they're actively working to undo those systems as a family, you will have a very difficult time, I think. I'm going to pause and get some tissue. <laughs> I think, oh, my tissue's up there. All right. Sorry about that, folks. It's a normal part of life, I guess, to have a runny nose. <laughs> um, but see, T. Trisha says, one of your talks about beauty helped me to discuss this with my sister and point it out to her. Good. Yeah. And that's kind of how I see me using this platform is giving people a foot in the, a foot in the door, right? Because sometimes it can be hard to just bring up the subject out of the blue. But if you have like, oh, let me send you this link to this article and what do you think about this, right? To kind of help people ease their way into these conversations. So I'm glad that helped. Um, uh, Dr. Mary Hendrickson said, right, I am the darkest. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I, was, I was the darkest girl in my family. Um, even though my mom and my sister I think in you know my immediate family accepted me and they didn't perpetuate colorism. Just that difference made it more obvious to me. It made it more difficult to navigate being the darker skinned sister for sure. 
Disrupting norms. My immediate family was dark brown. My mother always envisioned herself as much darker than she actually was. <laughs> my mother too. <laughs> I don't know if my mom is watching live, but you're one of the... <laughs> my mom is very similar in that way. Um, we definitely have texturism issues. Yeah, I think texturism issues is a big one in a lot of um, black families of different ethnicities, right? Across the diaspora, texturism is a huge one. Um, truthful optimist, my ex is the darkest in his family and he has shared how uncomfortable it made him feel. Yeah, thank you all for sharing this week. These are very honest um, statements of what it means to be the darkest one in your family. And also let me reiterate that that relative complexion is important to think about when it comes to colorism because someone... If they were standing next to me, you might say, oh, well, he's light skinned or oh, she's dark skinned. But if they were the darkest person in their family, they could still be ostracized. They could have still dealt with feeling alienated or feeling rejected. Right. Um, so I think that's an important thing to you know understand is that there are people who like on the broad spectrum of skin tones might fall on the lighter end of the spectrum. But they essentially had the experience of a dark-skinned person within their family because their family was so much lighter than they were, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So in terms of how these systems, these different layers of healing impact each other, right? You know, a lot of the pushback we get around talking about colorism is that a lot of people think it's just the individual level, that it's just an individual problem. Hey, Sandra, glad you're watching. <laughs> Um, so they'll say things like, well, you just need to heal yourself. And that's the end of the conversation around colorism. But what I want to emphasize today is that the systemic colorism, for example, so the way society is creating narratives contributes to, can lead to our cause or trigger the individual mental health problems around colorism and the individual wounding and trauma and self-esteem issues around colorism. So those individual issues do not exist in a vacuum. They do not exist on an island, right? That came from somewhere. You know, that the, the personal wounding, the personal trauma came from context. There's context to that. And so you can't just say deal with your individual self, but not don't address the context that contributed to that wounding in the first place, right? And then it's a reciprocal thing. It goes vice versa. And that if we are wounded and if we are not checking our own biases and removing, ridding ourselves of these negative biases, then we then create systems that perpetuate it, that continue to hurt other people. And so I think because it's sort of the, it's a figure eight thing, right? Like the energy flows back and forth across these three different layers. And so I think that's why we have to be looking at it as a web of things and address all of these things. I see a lot of comments coming through on Instagram. Um, Jendel Crutch says, healing involves first acknowledging these experiences. Yes, great point. Saying it out loud like everyone here is doing. Oh, I love that. Yes, Jendel Crutch. I love that people are acknowledging on here. I love that people are saying it, right? Because again, you can't heal a wound that you try to pretend is not there. If you try to pretend like there is no wound, then it will 
fester and get infected and eventually cause more problems, right? T. Trisha says, good point. I'm light-skinned, but mom and grandma looked white. See? Exactly. Yes. Um, Sanga, Sange Kulu, I hate that. You just need to love yourself line. Right? Right? I hate that as well. Um, oh, we got a comment on TikTok. Hey. Says, acknowledgement. Yes. With the claps. <laughs> right? Acknowledgement is key. And that makes the wound deeper sometimes when people try to gaslight you and say colorism is not real. Um, the people's refusal to acknowledge it, I think, is part of the reason why it hurts so much for a lot of people, right? Um, but yeah, the you just need to love yourself line, I used to get that all the time when I was younger, especially. And so it made me not talk about it. It made me afraid to say um, anything because I didn't want to pe make people think that I didn't love myself. Also, I made a TikTok video in response to a young woman who got the usual attack that she's just being insecure, right? And so she was saying, she asked the question, are we insecure about our race when we talk about racism, right? Nobody ever makes that argument. But when it comes to colorism, they always want to make it seem like we're insecure for talking about it. But what I said in response to that video was that it's self-love that compels me to speak up about this issue. It is my love for myself that compels me to want to do something about it, right? That compels me to want to change the situation. All right. Um, Des Nila says, I feel that. Oh, yeah. So she's co-signing what the um, other person said. I hate that racial injustices were made so obvious last year, but I am grateful that I was able to start healing from colorism. Yes. Right. Um, and I, oh, that's another thing in terms of fighting on all fronts. So if you saw one of my TikTok videos where I talked about how it's pointless to try to fight racism and white supremacy while ignoring colorism, right? And so I had a cup and I was trying to fill the cup with water and the cup wasn't filling because there was a hole at the bottom. There was a giant hole at the bottom of the cup, right? So to me, that's an analogy of trying to fight racism without addressing colorism, right? It's like we're just wasting our energy. We take three steps forward, two steps back, right? Um, Armando says, for me, healing also intersects with gender. Yes, thank you. As a male, was difficult to ask for help. Our often practitioners do not know how to hold spaces for men. Armando. Y'all, this is why Armando is coming on as a guest in, in the coming weeks, okay? Because we got to talk about all these layers. I love that. Um, yes, for a man in particular, or anyone who reads as male, to acknowledge hurt, to acknowledge pain, to say, I want to heal from this, it's there it's stigmatized right and people you know if you need to cry about something or say you know i wanted people i didn't want people to say i was ugly in school even though i'm a man or a guy um and it does take culturally speaking we have been conditioned to not hold space for that right um hey june what's up <laughs> glad you can join as usual i love when you hop on um, another comment on TikTok says, are they, are they swear it's specifically about not being physically desired by certain men? That's a good point too. So a lot of the pushback or the gaslighting is you're just mad that men don't want to date you or you're just mad because you're single, <laughs> right? 
Um, and I think that denial is one of the reasons why we can't heal. Oh, hey, I was just talking about <laughs> the um, video that I responded to that you did. Um, so Tarila, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but you know, you can correct me later about how to say your screen name. But yeah, I was telling people how we get gaslighted. People accuse us of being insecure, but that it's our love for ourselves that compels us to want to fight and change the situation. Let's see, Sang Gakulu says, if colorism isn't spoken about, racism won't end because colorism is pervasive. I agree with that. Um, I think even if, for like hypothetically speaking, if we did away with all racial categories, so if, you, if we never used another race label again, right? If there was no such thing as black or white, you could still see my skin tone and discriminate against me based on my skin tone. Even if there's no racism, you can always discriminate against me because of my hair texture or my facial features, right? So we have to address colorism. Uh, oh yeah, I got a lot of comments. Okay, let me <laughs> keep reading. Um, Francia M says, as a first generation to immigrant parents, it's been difficult my entire life. Many Latins identify with their ethnicity and leave out our color. It made it difficult to own my color proudly. Thank you for sharing that experience. I'm gonna have to hit you up because you know we're gonna talk about more international differences about colorism. But I think even in like the Henry Louis Gates documentaries of being black in Latin America, that's a big theme in those documentaries is that a lot of people from you know Central and South America, they prioritize their ethnic or national identity and they kind of see it as being divisive to say, oh, you know, we're all Brazilians, for example, or we're all Colombian, um, so don't bring up the race issue. I think that is a hindrance, hinders um, people from being able to solve issues around colorism. Um, <laughs> on TikTok, she's saying, honestly, I could care less about the men. Why is it harder for me to get the same job, right? Exactly, because of perceptions about intelligence and perceptions about professionalism. And people assume that as a black woman, you're gonna to be too difficult to work with, especially if you're a dark-skinned black woman. Like, oh, you know, we don't want, um, we wanna present a certain image, or, you know, we think lighter skin is more appealing to a broader customer base. And all these myths and lies and stereotypes that impact every aspect of life, like all aspects. <laughs> the way you get treated at hospitals, the way you get treated at school, at the grocery store, right? It's not limited to just romantic interest. Um, let's see. And then Marilyn says, I disliked that as a brown-skinned woman, people felt that I should see myself in Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, as soon as she became VP when she looks nothing like me. So Marilyn, that was my very same response, right? Like I acknowledge that, you know, she's a black woman, right? Um, she has a black parent, but she's also a South Asian woman. She has a, a South Asian parent, but... Yeah, I don't think I have to see myself, quote unquote, in Kamala Harris or in Zendaya or in Halle Berry or in Beyonce or in any other woman. Or if let's talk about size, right? To break it down for some people who resist the color thing. If, you know, all the women on TV are size zero, plus size women, bigger women, they don't have to see themselves in those women just because they're the same race, right? 
or just because they're women, right? White women make the same argument. Well, we're all women, you know, this is a win for you too. And so I think that nuance is really important and people really get mad when you say that, you know what I mean? I, I made a post about how Barack Obama and Kamala Harris are examples of how light skin privilege operates, right? The fact that they were able to rise to such prominence. Um, Y'all's comments are on fire this week. I'm loving it. Uh, Marilyn says, yes, I can't see myself in her, right? Okay, so let's acknowledge it, people. I see you, I hear you, I, I hear you. Um, thank you, I'm glad I'm not alone. Um, yes, please. I look forward to hearing from you. I loved Black and Latin America. Right on, right on. Says the Black and Latin America documentary was really eye-opening. It was sad how Afro-Latinos are pushed out of being Latino, right? They're made to choose, right? It's like you either choose to identify with your Blackness or you can be Latino, right? You can be Latinx, but we don't want to do both, you know? Um, I connect to Kamala, but I don't see myself in her. Right. Okay. So disrupting norms. Oh, that's a cool screen name, by the way. Disrupting norms <laughs> says I don't. I don't. I connect to Kamala Harris, but I don't see myself in her. Um, I um, was telling my mom that I see Kamala Harris. Like I connect to her in the same way I connect to all women of color. Right. Sonia Sotomayor. You know. AOC, you know, all of the women of color who are coming up into prominence. I identify with them um, and I connect with them. That doesn't mean I see myself in them necessarily in terms of being black women. And so I kind of connect to Kamala Harris like as a woman of color in general. Um, all right, folks, great comments this week. I'm going to hop off. You know, I do it every week at two o'clock. Um, and bring your questions and comments along the way. And I will be reaching out to people to come on live with me on Instagram. So if you're on Instagram and you want to come on live, send me a DM because I'll prioritize people who reach out to me first. And then I'll be reaching out to other people who leave interesting comments and good comments. Um, have a great week. I love y'all so much. Um, oh, and... Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, follow, and comment. <laughs> Let's help spread the word, okay? Talk to y'all next time. Mwah, mwah, mwah. And how do I end this on TikTok? I don't know how to end the one on TikTok. <laughs> Bye, TikTok. I'll just close out the app. <laughs> and then end Facebook. Thanks again for listening. Please remember to hit the like button and share this episode with a friend. I hope you can join us again for the next one.